2: this is Gabe Sanchez, and we put together the best of the week from the Tony Michaels podcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here for the best of
1: the week. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. We have a special guest with us here today, Dakota Adams, uh, a reoccurring guest on the show, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. Um, normally, we talk to Dakota about uh, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, Militia, having to do with January 6th. But today I wanted to bring him on to get his take because he, he has seen... Uh, this stuff before with the militias and uh, 4chan, 8chan, some of these deep, dark parts of the web. We know now who the Highland Park shooter is. Um, he had a social media presence and an online presence, which I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I hope Dakotas can kind of give us an idea here of how that played into who they are trying to make him into be and out to be. Uh, Dakota, welcome. Thank you for joining us uh, for having a, a quick conversation about this. What did you think when you, when you, um, heard who the highland park shooter was and when you started to you know dive into some of this information about him who he was his online presence what was your first thoughts
3: well first of all in an ideal world we would be able to shut down information about these people because a serious part of the problem is the very fast easy pipeline of mass murderer to instant internet celebrity especially in uh, darker anonymous internet communities and, and where we have uh, mass shooters inspired by each other's manifestos in a chain and we saw that a lot with the people inspired by dylan roof unfortunately we don't live in a world where we can reasonably tamp down on these people's five minutes of fame and keep that from happening because we have in general a media punditry machine that feeds off of any interesting information about tragedies and exaggerates it for click value. And then also we have political machines in place that will grab any noise they possibly can out of any situation to deflect their side from being blamed. And that's what we have here. And the thing that struck me, first of all, was that the right wing was going to make immediate hay out of this guy's basic physical appearance, having being skinny, having facial piercings, having dyed blue hair in some of his photos. Those are characteristics that are possessed by people all over the political spectrum. But you know that your great uncle on parlor is going to run with that as a sure sign that he's Antifa from the beginning. Uh, Wearing black clothes or having a black face mask in any photo means that anyone who does a bad thing is automatically an Antifa operative. And that was immediately going to be the narrative that was seized. But really, no matter what happened, they were going to seize the narrative of it being a secret uh, leftist provocateur no matter what And so the main striking things about this case are the history of violence, threats of violence uh, flagged in school that resulted in him being being pulled out of school, the police showing up and seizing knives and swords from his house after he threatened to kill members of his family. And then immediately afterwards, his uh, Trumpster wannabe politician father helped him get a go through the application for purchasing firearms, like within months of the police seizing knives from his home because he was threatening to murder everyone. So what we have is a failure in the family and familiarly, uh, someone who should have been caught in the red flag net that slipped past because the system fundamentally is not working. And, Beyond that, we see that this is, again, he had previously attempted to break into a synagogue and was turned away by security in that same area, which is known for being a predominantly Jewish area in this uh, outlying community of Chicago. And that while not explicitly neo-Nazi, a lot of the chat rooms he hung out in were very racist. And that's where we have this larger trend of reactionary and accelerationist thought that is feeding into the background media noise that is driving, in my opinion, a lot of these shootings. This idea that Western society is inherently broken Because, or degenerate, because basic tenets of liberalism like free speech, democracy, tolerance, especially tolerance for uh, the queer community or minority ethnic groups is being conflated with everything that is wrong with the neoliberal global order, including loss of jobs from outsourcing and environmental degradation. Like, it's just a common thread from extremist Muslim groups to the reactionary right wing is the conflation of so called degenerate uh, social practices, which is really just basic human decency, with everything that is wrong with the world economic order and how it has disadvantaged the poor and the middle class. And so you have this general sense of. This vague straw man of liberalism and secularism and tolerance catching blame for everything that is wrong with your life that is making your life suck so you don't have to claim responsibility or do the research on figuring out what harmful systems are actually causing your life to suck. And in this, you have a lot of people that are just very much on the fringes of society that are already prone to violent ideation. That are prone to antisocial behavior that see this larger internet community where violence against society is celebrated because anything that causes chaos and accelerates the collapse of society is inherently good because our current society is inherently sick and evil. And it's going to draw people who just want to be celebrated for being an edgelord and provides them fuel for violent thought and antisocial behavior and shows them, uh, mass shooters, especially, uh, racist mass shooters being celebrated just for going against the grain. And that I think is the real story here. And you also have him being involved in a bunch of niche internet communities, being a SoundCloud rapper, having a hyper pop album, being um, involved in what people are calling the Nazi cat boy um, internet social circle. So you're going to have people dragging furries into all into all this as if it's relevant.
1: Wait, when, wait, 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 wait. You said internet cat boy, internet Nazi cat boy. What, what do, what do you mean? What
3: does that mean? I don't know what that means. Tell me what that means. <clears throat> so you have this interesting phenomenon going, which I call the uh, social experiment petri dish from hell. <laughs> Is I'm this is this
1: like a Marjorie Taylor Green Petri dish type thing? Or is this a a a, a tree dish, not a peach tree dish, tree, is it? Yeah. Okay.
3: I just, um, it could, could be could be both, probably because a lot of the people in it have no <laughs> idea what a petri dish is. So okay, I, mean, well, I apparently don't because I misspell it on Twitter. But the <laughs> and this is something that's been going on for a long time, is that in the heyday of early anonymous internet communities when 4chan culture began to coalesce and form These places were a catch-all for everyone who did not fit into mainstream society, and that meant lots of people with fringe political views, uh, people espousing racist views from the safety of anonymity before that was allowed in the mainstream, and it meant a lot of queer youth and gender non-conforming people who were trans or non-binary or simply expressed themselves differently in a time when there was no mainstreamed or even semi-well-known subculture for them to participate in, all in the same melting pot. And then that melting pot of young people, especially young men, who were on the fringes of society and felt like outcasts was deliberately targeted by white supremacists and violent fascist groups, For recruitment and to be made into a pipeline. The most famous example is the now very very well known um, Stormfront attempt that was highly successful at taking over large chunks of the different 4chan communities to turn them into white supremacist recruiting pipelines. And in that catch all, they got everyone who was on the fringe. So you had the early forerunners of people who are now. Fem called femboys just men who do not consider themselves transsexual who just enjoy exhibiting feminine personality or body language traits and dressing in feminine clothing because they feel it uh, fits who they are more and there's a subculture for it but because of that early exposure Through these melting pot online communities to vicious, very well-coordinated white supremacist pipelines, a lot of them were exposed to racist and fascist ideologies where you have Nazi, uh, gender nonconforming, and cross-dressing communities that have tremendous overlap with other somewhat marginalized, primarily online subcultures like Furry communities. It's kind of a knock on effect of the attempted Nazi takeover of the punk scene from way back in the day. Anywhere where you have a gathering of generally anti authoritarian, non conformist outcasts forming their own culture, Nazis will see that, try to co opt it, and attempt to build up their brand inside that community. And this is no different. And then the follow-on to that is that people are going to seize on uh, dressing in women's clothing and wearing cat ears and having a cat-girl profile picture for your crappy hyper-pop albums, and they're going to grab onto that, especially in media. Because it's quirky and unusual and interesting to the majority of mainstream normie internet goers and casual Twitter consumers who are not aware of any of those subcultures. And they're going to seize onto that and, in doing so, further the perception of all of these niche communities as being Nazi adjacent and facilitate their capture as Nazi branding when the real story should be. That these young men who feel like they're marginalized, who have crap lives, who probably have very toxic, abusive homes, judging by the number of people online, saying that his father was widely hated and frequently kicked out of local bars. They are falling into Internet communities that celebrate mass violence as an ultimate statement against society and also propagate um, racist and fascist ideology and imagery. And the subcultures that he was a part of in parallel to that are less important than the widespread dragnet of violent ideology that is meant to grab all of these young men who fall into that same category, who fall into uh, Steve Bannon's uh, much beloved target demographic of rootless white males And inspire them to acts of violence to strike back against society and become famous, even if only in their niche Internet circles. That's the real problem. But everyone's going to fixate on the cat ear headband and the women's clothing. The media is going to run with that and obfuscate the real issue.
1: Right. So they're not going to get to the heart of why why they're even reporting on some of these issues like they like they like they should be. Um, And that's why I wanted to have you on, because. When when this first started happening, me and Gabe were texting back and forth because I went to the social media to try to see what who this was and what it was. I was actually trying to grab some of the videos that he had posted because my one thought was, is, oh, my God, someone's going to take these videos and they're going to turn them into whatever they want. And they're because these videos are going to be taken down is what I thought, like his YouTube and some of his other content. And they're going to make it into what they want and start spreading around these deep, dark webs. Gabe sent me an actual screenshot of 4chan, I believe it was, wasn't it, Gabe? Yeah, yeah, it was 4chan. Like, like, he sent me a screenshot of 4chan of of what was happening right in real time. And I was like, holy actual fuck. Like, they were already all over the narratives that you're talking about. Um, And it's almost like they turned on one of their own. It almost felt like that when you were reading what they were saying about him and then mm-hmm. going to like uh, his social media and seeing some of the things he had said, some of the things he'd done, like, Whoa, it almost feels like they're saying he isn't one of us anymore. And and then scapegoating all those things that you're saying, that list of things that you're saying, whether it's the women's clothing or the cat ears, um, because you said, you said um, <laughs> so smartly the punk scene and how the Nazis took over the punk scene. Cause it's almost like tried
3: to, That's the thing is it wasn't quite successful because they got their asses kicked, which is a lesson (laughs) we need to relearn in this year of our Lord 2022.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Well, but I guess my my question is, is that what what the real story that you're saying that the media is not going to pay attention to because I want to pay attention to it is what can't what is there anything that can be done to undo some of this online online culture? Where where it is this like you said dragnet where they just try to rope in as many people as they can to get them to listen to their ideology right and th- and they know that some are going to believe it some aren't but the ones that they rope in now they're part of the the team as it were so is there anything that anyone can do is it is it paying attention to it is it actually knowing that it exists because I think that's the one thing I've had a that's lot of uh, hugely normal, important right well I've had a lot of normal Trumpers you know the guys. like the fat guys in the Trump t-shirts and the Trump hats, like this guy, this and, and, and the, and the boots and the blue jeans and you know, their, their bellies hanging out and they're like, this guy, he got colored hair. He ain't a Trump supporter. There's no way he's Trump. You know, I've had those like in my Twitter comments and I guess they're not, they're even, even Trump supporters are very unaware that it's not about the color of someone's hair or where they grew up or, or what body type they are, if they have tattoos on their face or not. Um, it really is about buying into right-wing authoritarian stuff. And I think even they're missing why, like the QAnon thing, like you said, Nazis try to grab onto this stuff. Like they, I believe they try to grab onto this QAnon thing and really run with it. That's why mm-hmm. there's th- these these really deep-seated roots of white supremacy inside the QAnon whatever the hell it is. Right. You know, cause they grab from a lot of theories, but tell us what can we do? Do we pay attention? Do we just ignore it? Cause I don't think that's the answer,
3: but no, just ignoring us. it is not the answer. If we could do concerted media blackouts and stop at least as far as not making these people famous right. and stop people from yeah. like, because that's the fantasy. If you are a bitter, edgy loner is all these people go trawling through your shitty drawings and your, terrible social media posts that never got any likes while you were a nobody and analyzing everything for meaning. Like, why did he do this? What was his ideology? And mm-hmm. that's plays into the fantasy. But we cannot stop that, at least not right now. Right. The best foot forward short of that would be to start shutting down right-wing media outlets that serve as the entry point for the pipeline Mm -hmm. that gets these kids into like environmental neo-Nazism or great replacement theory where I've seen people advocating for this. And I think it'd be a great tactic is what the hell is that one guy's name? The every town for gun violence. No, no, (laughs) <laughs> the uh, the guy who holds uh, DNC funding by the balls perpetually, who's super about assault Choros? weapons. Soros? Soros? No, actual, uh, the one who actually holds oh, DNC 20. funding. Uh, Bloomberg. Okay, there you go. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we could get Bloomberg to help guarantee or some other of these liberal dark money billionaires that i keep hearing about that seem to be totally missing in action when anything needs to get done if they could guarantee get biden on the phone because billionaires all have presidential access we all know that guarantee funding to the irs to investigate the shit out of right-wing media outlets for tax fraud because i have no doubt that they've all committed or at least the individual pundits have you could probably shut down Half of the right wing media ecosystem in about two years, if you took a really hard look at their taxes and had their resources to go after offenders. Mm -hmm. Because the main problem is that very large media companies are, I believe, knowingly serving as entryways into right wing extremist pipelines that lead into accelerationism this idea that society is inherently corrupt and anything that collapses it faster is inherently good so that it can be replaced It leads into the great replacement theory and white identity they are knowingly serving as the entry points into information ecosystems that serve stochastic terrorism that's the idea that you broadcast violent rhetoric and rhetoric that implies that violence is the only solution until somebody picks up a gun and then you the broadcaster sitting in your comfortable house with your high salary are comfortably well insulated from the actual actions of the shooter. You have plausible deniability and you can continue to signal boost them and the ideology that created them as a mass shooter. So that somebody else does it again. It's a fire and forget memetic form of inspiring Mm -hmm. terrorism and controlling narratives through mass shootings, short of shutting down right-wing media outlets Everybody needs to check on the isolated teenage boys in their lives because I had a pretty disturbing close brush with white supremacist recruiting pipelines when I was a youth. I was a uh, when between our sporadic fits and starts training for the apocalypse, I was effectively a neckbeard. And then one day, all of the 4chan communities that I frequented were flooded with violent interracial um, porn by posters badly role-playing as gloat and black nationalists who were celebrating the cultural victory of black men over the white establishment it was a transparent attempt to get people to knee-jerk into white identity as a counter-reaction and an instinctive swinging the other way. And then, sure enough, in the comments, people started posting like prototypical versions of the like those, those, uh, edits of World War II Nazi footage with Little Dark Age playing over the background as the popular music edited over Nazi propaganda from the 40s, saying, No, don't give in to despair. Uh, the death of the white race to miscegenation is is, uh, Not inevitable. You can't listen to these anti-white crowing voices and a ton of people bought it, even though it was the most transparent thing in the world. And I think my lifelong training to see conspiracies in every shadow actually helped me clock that this was a deliberately engineered uh, bait and switch recruiting tactic by white supremacist groups organized on stormfront which is exactly what it was the chat logs leaked later and everyone whose teenage son was on 4chan in that time was exposed to violent white supremacist rhetoric that was keyed to play on all of their insecurities uh, sexual societal mm-hmm. Uh, your place in life, your future as a member of the middle class, all play on all these insecurities and then set up a violent white supremacist ideology as the natural counter answer. Then after that, going against all my instincts of not being a snitch and not playing into the information state, if you have that guy in your high school who constantly makes the mass shooting threats and draws the edgy pictures, maybe you should make a report just to establish paper trails because the system is not in place to actually address this right now. It's the one common sense gun control effort that would gun safety effort that would make, the most impact for preventing mass shootings is never properly implemented and constantly handicapped. And wherever you can establish the paper trail to, so that if someone does pop off, you can say, look at this, there were warning signs. Here are the receipts. It puts more actionable pressure on people. But honestly, It sort of feels like all this has a good chance of coming to nothing. The coming Supreme Court decision that would allow state legislatures, including state legislatures that are so thoroughly gerrymandered that there is no chance of anyone but a Republican holding the state house, allowing those state legislatures to overturn the results of presidential election and submit the votes however they decide. That's coming up next year in the Supreme Court will effectively mean the end of competitive uh, national elections in this country, and the very next Republican White House will do everything they can, not only to destroy the electoral system, but to encourage stochastic terrorism like we're talking about here against all dissidents and anyone that is against them. Ron DeSantis will absolutely, if he gains the White House, do everything he can to dismantle any attempt at stopping or being aware of potential shooters like the one that killed six people. Seven, I believe now.
1: Yes. Yep.
3: At Highland Park and injured 26 more because it is a time-tested strategy to simply allow non-state violence by your supporters against dissidents to cement your control. The death squads that fired on protesters after Pinochet took power were not officially aligned with the government. The death squads that slit the throats of pro-democracy liberal activists in Turkey during the military coup attempt were not killed by state security. All that happened was state security had to stand idly by. So what we're facing now is this rising tide of so-called individual lone wolf attacks and mass shooters. These young men that be drawn in, that are being drawn into these pipelines. It's happening because they don't see anyone fighting for a better future that will fix the problems that are affecting them in their lives in a way that they're aware of like the, the complete lack of action by anyone except crazy right-wing demagogues at fixing anything or advancing any kind of goal is feeding into the idea that only this will work. Only collapsing the system will work. And the people with the histories of domestic violence and murdering pets and threatening to shoot up their school will be the first to pick up their guns because they're looking for an excuse to lash out at society anyway. And this greater narrative driven by the ongoing failure of our government is simply feeding into that. And so what we see now is this environment of a failed society being used to sweep up potential mass shooters and beta test the messaging for inciting lethal violence against dissenters the next time republicans control the country so what you're
1: saying is is that if we allow republicans to control our country uh, which may be speak to the pro-democracy message um that if uh uh, um an actor, an fascist actor like Ron DeSantis were to take power, he would turn the 4chan army against our democracy. I think is what you're saying.
3: That's exactly what I'm saying. And not even the 4chan army, just the guy in your local gun store who talks about
2: well, right about how I, we need
3: to how we need to kill people who I guess don't, if you would just masks. if you would
1: just label it. Um, yeah. You
2: know, I mean you even you I, even touched on it earlier, which you know, Steve Bannon using World of Warcraft and gamers to to penetrate through and get them, you know, I mean, he even quoted in his book of saying, you know, mm-hmm. that he was able to figure out a way to manipulate that. He's like, you can activate that army,
3: you know? He so, was like, It's inspired by Gamergate, right. where he saw the minute there was something to this directionless, <clears throat> rootless, society-wide anger at all of the entitlements promised to the white middle class dissolving and falling through once you have a target, because initially there were people like the YouTuber Total Biscuit who did video game reviews who were actually talking about ethics in games journalism yeah. because he'd received uh attempts by video game companies to effectively bribe him to give good reviews of their games. And he's like, So I think like people should uh, Disclose when they have relationships with game developers or game reviewers in the interests of transparency. And then that was immediately seized on as a funnel to pour all of this rootless anger at society for failing to deliver on all the promises implicit in American media. And Steve Bannon saw that and he went, I need a way to harness this energy. And that right. feeds directly into the Cambridge Analytica scandal where mm-hmm. every tool of the modern information economy was utilized to develop and refine the perfect targeted advertising and algorithm driven uh, instruments of delivery for seizing on this online army, turning it into political action and eventually into violence. And that is where if the current GOP gains power again without a serious cleaning of house, all the violence that we are seeing will have just been test runs for using the media to incite Violence against anyone they disagree with or against society in general, so that local government and the basic functioning of the nation can collapse and they can assert authority in a state of emergency in the vacuum. The entire GOP playbook is about destroying institutions so they can say the institutions never worked and enforce their own private sector or religious alternative under their control to fill the vacuum. It's playing out through everything from law enforcement to education. This is no different. The more chaos, the better, because they want to ride the wave.
1: Well, thank you, Dakota, for joining us and please come back next week after the hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be a hearing and it sounds like the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers may be a uh, a main point in in this uh, upcoming hearing next week. So if you would, please join us next week and we can talk uh, more what we usually talk about, (laughs) which is the Oath Keepers and Proud Boys. But thanks for coming today and giving us analysis of uh, what the deep dark web is creating uh, where we see some of these mass shooters um, coming out of the woodwork and not knowing where they come from, but we should know where they possibly come from. If we would just pay attention a little bit more and know what is at stake. uh, And don't get,
3: don't get distracted by quirky subcultures focus on what's really at stake, which is the funnel that, all antisocial disaffected young men can fall into when a massive media machine is aimed at directing them into violent social circles.
1: Well, thank you, Dakota, for joining us. Come back Mm -hmm. very soon, my friend. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining
2: us. We'll see you soon, my friend. Thank you for having me on. I think during the pandemic, there was very much this Dunning-Kruger effect where everyone was like within two weeks to a month knew everything that they had to know about COVID, right? Despite all of the years of of schooling and experience, in times that you've actually been on the front line studying viruses, they said, "I'm the real epidemiologist, right? I'm the person who knows that it's a hoax, or it's uh, made in a lab, or it's no worse than the flu, right? You know." But I'm curious, like, as an epidemiologist, as an actual epidemiologist, as someone who who knew this was going to be a serious thing, you know, how did we? get to the state that we're in right now?
4: Yeah, this is a very good question. Obviously this is a very long pandemic and disinfo, misinfo had played a very large part of it but also political inaction, political expediency and um, just sometimes downright ostrich head in the sand approach to COVID hoping that it would just go away. I think obviously we know that disinfo and misinfo is very powerful. Um, so a lot of these messages are very viral. Uh, they can go around the world three times before the truth has the chance to get its boots on and debunking is almost never as effective as the original viral misinfo. And, you know, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, so much of this has wasted a lot of time. They're not proven treatments. The proven treatments have been drowned out by a lot of this information and, you know, the natural immunity, oh, I've God gave me immune system for a reason. Yeah, well, I remind people, first of all, if they did not survive, and a lot of people didn't survive their first wave, dead men tell no tales that they're not here to say, well, no, it's not enough. Only those who were barely surviving and recovered uh, are able to even barely say that. So I think in many ways... People just heard from their social networks that, oh, it's just like the flu. And, you know, let's be honest. A lot of the January, February, March early articles in mainstream news said, oh, it's just the flu. You don't need to wear a mask. That was incredibly dangerous. So obviously disinfo was very dangerous. It got people killed. Um, But also just natural social network effects of bad information um, and complacency. And even the mainstream media early on, you know, played a role in, you know, basically allaying people's fears and, oh, don't worry about this. But clearly, they were all wrong. Clearly, this is really bad. We have had over a million confirmed deaths recently and over a million excess deaths in the U.S. since February. Um, And worldwide, anywhere from 15 million to over 20 million, 15 million being closer to WHO estimate uh, and 20 million being the Economist's estimate of total deaths worldwide due to COVID. <clears throat> this is this is not a lightweight pandemic. This is absolutely serious, and people have completely ignored that with a very, wide variety of of excuses. Some from, from like, oh, you died, uh, you know, uh, with COVID instead of from COVID. Whenever we know that from the medical records, most people died. Um, from actually COVID or the indirect effects of COVID. It's it's basically, the short-term complacency is very easy. It's it's very seductive. It's very alluring to believe that, you know, oh, kids are immune. And oh, you know, 19 kids dying, not a big deal. Whether it's gun violence or COVID, kids are not supposed to die. And altogether, this is just a huge, huge reflection of our society, how fractured it is, how the information is siloed among those who want to believe whatever they want to believe in their little network and based on whatever their political leaders or pundits promote. Um, and of course, the vaccine the misinfo is is obviously the worst of all, that the red states that had the least vaccination rates, least booster rates have way, way more um, COVID hospitalizations and deaths than the counties and states that have the most vaccinations. And uh, I think there's blood on the hands of a lot of those who spread that vaccine in Simpo. There's blood on the hands for a lot of those who spread the uh, COVID denialism, COVID minimization. Oh, COVID is over message. Kids are practically immune. They have blood on their hands. Um, and so many things have gone wrong. And even the CDC have has not been the best in you know recognizing breakthrough infections, how even though breakthroughs rarely lead to death, breakthroughs can still trigger outbreaks and complete new epidemic clusters. Um, but of course, unless it happened in the u s, like for example, the Providence town Fourth of July uh, Cape Cod outbreak last last Fourth of July, unless the, you know it happened on u s. soil with u s. data, Oh, all the lessons of the Delta variant, you know, basically uh, causing three to four million deaths in India in the spring of last year. Oh, that doesn't matter. That's not real. It's because it's not here. Those far away. Mm -hmm. That's India. Right. It could never happen here. And of course, Delta variant happened here and it caused hundreds of thousands of deaths in the summer and early fall. Um, You know, I think complacency kills. Right, and 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 this pandemic has teaches us that we should always be precautious. Taking the precautionary uh, approach saves lives, and actually saves the economy. If you act early, you Mm -hmm. can actually save your economy a way better than when all hell breaks loose and people are, um, you know, entire industries are disrupted. Uh, like airlines, even Delta Airline, who fought so hard to reduce isolation and fought against mass, you know, they had to omit over uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, yeah, we had a lot of cancellations due to higher than expected COVID absences. Well, no crap. Mm-hmm. We've been warning about that. The same thing happened with British Airways and EasyJet at Heathrow Airport just a month ago in April. No crap. The same thing would happen in America. No crap. That if you minimize, ignore COVID, your own workers and you know own um, operations will be disrupted because you know people have such a short-term mindset. They want they want things to be back to normal. They don't see what's around the corner. They don't see the domino effect of shit, shit hitting the fan and all hell breaking loose later on.
3: Milborn head ass speaking